0: give you a little insight into what it's like sitting in my area of the church. Cooper looks at me, the singing is done, he says, go dad, go have fun. (laughs) Don't think he understands this job very well. (laughs) Go have fun, go have fun. (laughs) Go dad, go have fun. (laughs) Ah, crazy, we're going to pray together as a church family, and... As we as we go to prayer, there's a lot. There's a lot. And there's a lot we can pray for. There's a lot going on that uh, stirs our hearts. We come out of a, a funeral service, a memorial service yesterday for, for Jake and remembering Frida and Roger Patricia. And there's just a lot. It's the end of summer and the thought of Starting everything at church again is exciting. And yet, the thought of all of this being shut down and church being on our cell phones, it could happen in a month from now. And it's scary because it's not fun. There's just a lot. And yet, God is good. And yet, God continues to show up in pain and in heartache. And He's there, just like He said He would. And His promises are still true, they're still trustworthy those are good things oh, I'm going to pray t- um, I'm going to include a few of the things from the bulletin as well as I pray and again I want to encourage you that just because I'm the one praying right now doesn't mean that you can't also take things to prayer this prayer time is for all of us as a church so whether it's just quietly as I pause and you want to quickly say a prayer for something that God has laid on your heart and that is good. Oh, A lot of the services lately have felt, felt heavy. Sorry for that, if I've been bringing that into a lot of the services. But just like, that's just the way my heart's been stirred lately. I don't want to pretend like it's not that way. I could, I could try to pretend like it's not that way, but it just is. So I want to thank you for your, for your willingness to just let it be the way it is. And then after that, we'll get into God's word and see what the Holy Spirit wants to tell us this morning. Father in heaven, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for our church family. We thank you for Jake and for Frida and our hearts hurt as we think about a friend of ours who's not with us. And yet, just like was shared at the funeral, John chapter 14, we can have confidence that you've prepared a place for us, a place where we can be united with you the way it was supposed to be, us with our maker, a paradise. So we look forward to that with joyful expectation, and yet nobody wants to say goodbye to someone that they love. We ask Jesus that through your Holy Spirit you would take care of their family, in the special way that you do for people who are hurting and grieving. Blessed are those who mourn. Lord Jesus, would you stir our hearts to be your hands and feet to call and encourage and write cards and to spend time with Frida and to show her great love for it to be more than words, for it to become actions that we do. Father, we come before you with all the other things that are on our hearts, the things that weigh us down, the things that distract us, the things that we stress about, the things that cause us anxiety and the things that we lose sleep about. We come before you and we hand them to you. We ask that one more time you would carry this weight for us because this weight is too much for us to bear alone. Lord, we come into the service, too, thanking you for your goodness. Some of us excited and filled with joy for the things that you're doing in our lives and in our families and the way that you're revealing yourself to us through your word and through prayer. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is active and alive in us. Thank you that you're forming us into a spiritual temple, a house of worship where you will dwell. Thank you for that. Thank you for the lives that are being changed and the people that are growing and being discipled. Help me, to not lose, help me to not lose sight of that in all the things that weigh us down, and weigh me down. Lord, for our farmers who need encouragement, provide for them, Jesus, and show them how you can be there even in the midst of pain. For those, Lord, who are sick or who are afraid of getting sick, as the cases increase, we pray for peace. We pray, Lord, that we would be careful we would love one another well, and we would trust you, even in a world that's hard to predict, and that's intimidating and scary. Help us to be good neighbors, to show love to people and show kindness to people, even when we don't agree. Lord, I pray that you'd make us one. I pray that you'd provide unity and bond this family together in a way that we've never experienced that we would start to love one another and be honest before one another, bearing our hearts, trusting one another, Lord, with our with our hurts and with our sins and forgiving one another. This would become more than a house of worship, but this would become a house of prayer for one another. So many different families in this room, and yet I pray, Lord, that you would make us one. And we think, Lord, of those who are sick and shut in from our church who can't be with us right now. We think of those who are watching at home and they've chosen to stay at home right now and not yet come back here to the church building. We think of them and we miss them too. Lord, we think of the other pastors in our city and the other pastors in our province who we regularly see in our bulletin. We thank you that your kingdom is being built all across this province and even for our missionaries who are far beyond here. For Rebecca and her work, for the butlers and their work. For the Balser family. All these different things. Jesus, thank you for these people. These gospel workers. You were so good. You were so worthy of praise. And we pray for, Lord, the unspoken prayer requests in this room. The quiet things that people are thinking about right now. That they haven't had the courage to share with other people. We think of those things right now, that they would hand these things to you and trust that you will listen and that you are with them. Take care of our families, Lord Jesus. Give us hope and boldness and courage. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, my friends, you get me again this morning, but you get something better than me you get Psalm 145. You may have thought I forgot. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But we're going to do Psalm 145. (laughs) All summer, we encouraged you to take a look at it, to memorize it, to read it. And I hope you did. Whether you memorized the very first verse, whether you read it multiple times, grab your Bibles. We're going to take a look at it. If you brought your Bible, open it up to Psalm 145. If you brought your phone and you prefer to read your Bible on your phone, you can open that up too. And don't shame people that read their Bibles on their phones. I do that too sometimes. I like it. So if you brought your Bible, you can open it up that way too. And if you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. You can do it next week. We teach out of it all the time. We're not going uh, to change books anytime soon, so feel free to invest in one and bring it. Uh, the goofy thing is we encourage you to memorize it out of the NIV but I've been doing all my devotions this year in my ESV Bible. So anytime I'd go to read Psalm 145, it didn't make any sense because all the words were wrong. So that was just my own goof. I should have been reading my NIV all summer. Instead, I was reading my ESV. So I kept getting different versions of the psalm. Oh, how many of you memorized at least one verse of Psalm 145? How many people did a verse? At least one. Excellent. Oh, how many people went all in and tried to memorize, even if you weren't successful, how many people tried to memorize the whole thing? A few people? Yeah? Kudos to you. It's a, big, it's a big passage of scripture. It's big. How many of you, even if you didn't memorize it, how many of you read it through a few times this summer? Some of you read it through? Oh, I hope you're encouraged by it. I love it. And let me tell you Why? I don't want this message this morning, because we're going to talk about 145. I don't want it to be um, fluffy and hollow, empty and void. Because sometimes preaching on the psalms can feel that way. Because often they're so repetitive or they're so happy and positive, it can just be very fluffy. Sometimes we can miss the theology in a psalm. I don't want it to be that way. I want you to know that the psalms cover everything. Uh, King David, who wrote a whole bunch of these songs, experienced everything from incredible joy in the Lord to moments when he almost died, to moments when he felt like God had given up on him. So whether you appreciate how happy the Psalms are or if they discourage you because you don't like how positive and upbeat they are over and over again, these songs span every emotion. Some of these Psalms start with this anger and disappointment in the Lord, and then end with hope because of God's great faithfulness and love. And Psalm 145 covers a whole bunch of things like that. As we read through it together, I want to point out some different themes that I see in it. Maybe you see different things in it too. But when I read it, it fell kind of into a few different parts. The first one was this, reflection on God's faithfulness in the past. You have to remember, we're talking about something 4,000 years ago, but when David is writing these songs, it's just a few generations back. He was living in that time. So when he talks about the generations before him, passing it down, God's faithfulness, his might, his power, this wasn't fairy tales to him. This was his great great grandpa. This was his great 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 grandpa. This was their life. The marching through the Red Sea, the falling of Jericho's walls, Samson taking down the pagan temple after he had completely sinned against God, Deborah and Gideon, the prophet Samuel, the very first king of Israel, Saul. This was happening but also the faithfulness of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob a thousand years earlier. It's this reflection backwards. The psalm also has a middle piece that's a reflection on God's goodness at this present moment. You're gonna see words like graciousness and compassion, his goodness, his love, and his righteousness. Those are things that David was experiencing throughout his life. He experienced those things, and I bet you have too. The psalm ends with hope, even in pain. It's going to talk about people who are falling down and people who are bowed down. It's going to talk about people who are waiting for God to provide. People who are hoping that God will satisfy them. And David's going to talk about how God meets those people too. And it starts and it ends with a declaration, a declaration of praise. So there, now I've explained the whole thing. If you need to get up and leave, you know what I'm gonna talk about. And if you stay for the rest of it, that's just a bonus. I feel kind of like a a prosperity gospel preacher because this morning I'm gonna try to preach without my Bible. Ooh, I actually memorized this thing, but I keep getting lost in it. I hope you're gracious to me. Verse 1, Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I'll praise your name forever and ever. Every day I'll praise you. I'll extol your name forever and ever. Why? Because great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. His greatness, no one can fathom. You see, one generation... Will commend your works to another. And will tell of your mighty acts. How cool is that? One generation teaching the next, discipling the next. Do you know what they're going to speak of? They're going to speak of the glorious majesty of your splendor. And I'm going to meditate on your mighty works. I'm going to meditate on them. They're going to tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. This is where I feel like the first break in the psalm naturally takes place. David looking backwards. See, that's one of the beautiful things about myself coming to a service for someone like Jake. Because even yesterday, listening to Roger tell those stories, reflecting on that, this is a passing down of God's faithfulness from generation to generation. Like, this is beautiful because the impact that he has on someone like me, you hope that impact carries on. To either my son, who's sitting like over on the side to the youth group kids who are part of our youth program, you hope that that's what 's happening. like you look around this room, four generations of people, a great grandpa encouraging a grandpa, encouraging a dad, encouraging a son, singing together, a mix of old songs and brand new ones, this weird blend of great grandpa's church and little you know little johnny's 5-year-old church but that's it we do it all together why cuz all of us have experienced and learned of god's mighty works his power in the past and we're proclaiming that i hope we don't stop doing that i hope that you yourself are looking for ways on how to disciple other people like i can tell you that there are young people in this church who desire to have mentors who are looking for someone who can pour into them, who they can ask questions to. There's 20 year olds, 30 year olds in this church that just wish that a 60 year old would come up to them and say, Would you like help? I want to encourage you. I want to meet with you. I want to share some of my life story with you. I want you to know that God has been faithful all throughout my life, and He'll be faithful in your life too. And when life hurts, I want you to come to me and I'll listen. They want that. So look, church, for ways to do that in each other's lives. Who are you pouring into and who is pouring into you? Because if we don't do that, if we just take the gift of the gospel, this treasure, and if we just go home and hide in our house and bury this treasure, then when the Lord comes back one day, he'll say, what did you do with the treasure? And we'll say, Lord, we have your one mina. I didn't invest it. I buried it in the ground because I was nervous. And it didn't multiply they'll say, I gave you treasure. And you took it home and buried it in the ground. Who are you pouring into? And who is pouring into you? Maybe ask yourself that question this fall. Who in the church can I go find and say, can I pour into you? One generation down to the next. In David's Personal circumstances, you have to imagine that whether this was written before or after his time of falling into sin, David in his life experienced God's righteousness, his wrath, and then his incredible forgiveness. Because he fell very short of God's expectations and standards, and yet God still loved him and commended him for his heart. He understood God's compassion and graciousness, because he knows that when he stole someone else's wife, and had him killed, he deserved nothing but death. And yet through the conviction of the prophet Nathan, he repents and receives forgiveness. Let's keep reading through Psalm 145. Take a look if you have it in your Bible. Oh, they celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness The Lord is gracious and he's compassionate. The Lord is slow to anger and he's rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he's made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people, they extol you. They tell, oh, we can do this. They tell of your glory and they speak of your might so that all people might know your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Because your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all that He promises, He's faithful in all that He does. That to me is Jesus. This morning I was over at the coffee area and Matthew was talking about Ephesians chapter two. So I came in here to the sanctuary and I was reading through Ephesians chapter two. If you haven't read that lately, that should be your devotional reading for tomorrow morning. You should go read that. Ephesians two is the story of our separation from God being reconciled. We were enemies of him filled with the spirit of this world, like a a foreign nation alienated from him. And yet, even while we were still dead in that sin, a great gift was given to us, and that's the gift of grace. You didn't do it. It's not your work. You can't boast. It's God's work. And he made work for you. You are his workmanship. and He's got good works for you to do. He broke down the wall that divided all of us and brought us back together so that we could be one people. And Jesus is the cornerstone of this building that he's building. He built it on the apostles and the prophets so that we could be a holy temple of worship. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. So when David writes down this poem that God is gracious and compassionate and good and righteous and has an everlasting kingdom, when I read it, I see Jesus and Jesus and Jesus. Like, I want Cooper to know that his promises endure through all generations, like they did for my grandpa, and for my dad, and for me. I want him to know that, that his dominion endures. David received that promise that the kingdom would last, and it would not end. So he wrote that down. The dominion would endure. Through my generation, through Solomon's, through the next one, it would endure. And yet David never met the king of kings. It wasn't until Isaiah, the prophet, who said that one day, Emmanuel, God living with us, would come. God living with us would come. God's ultimate form of compassion and his ultimate form of grace. The ultimate expression of his goodness. But Darren, that doesn't mean much to me in the here and now. Like sometimes we can read the Psalms and that's the feeling that we can get. It's fantastic that God was good to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Round of applause for God. Fantastic. He was so good. And he sent Jesus. Fantastic. That's great news. But what about now? Because we're hurting. Because there's brokenness. Because there's sin. Because there's pain. Yes, God is good. He's gracious. He's compassionate to all that he's made. But right now I don't feel it. So what? What does that mean to me? And that's where I struggle because even when you teach the youth group kids, if this is just a book of God's faithfulness in the past, if it doesn't meet them at this moment, then why do they need this? Why do they need a God who was faithful a thousand years ago, but it doesn't feel like he shows up now and listens to their prayers? So it's about trying to show them the little ways that they're not even noticing that God is in every moment of their life the good and especially in the painful and I love that David captures this in the end of Psalm 145 this is God in the here and now it says the Lord upholds those who fall right he rises up those who are bowed down it sounds like a posture of humility or mourning he rises up those who are bowed down the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You're providing for them. It reminds me of the Lord's Prayer, right? Daily bread. You're, you're providing for them exactly when they need it. Maybe not when they expect it or when they think they need it, but when they need it. The proper time. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. I don't know how to explain that to you because if you don't feel like God has been able to satisfy that desire for you, he's offering it. And you might think that means that God would just take our pain away and take our suffering away. That would be his way of fulfilling my desires. But what if it was Jesus? What if it was his Holy Spirit? What if the fact that he's never going to leave us or forsake us, what if that was his way of fulfilling your deepest desire And he does that with an open hand. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. He's faithful in all he does. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. And he hears their cry and he saves them. That's why I don't mind going into a church prayer time and for it to be emotional. For it to not always be happy and positive. Because he hears the cry of those who need saving and he's there for them. That's why we can bring our deep hurts before him and then honestly hand them to him. He watches over all who love him. But all the wicked, he's going to destroy They're going to be separated from him forever. But those who love him, he's going to watch over forever. Is that not encouraging to you? Then he ends with a declaration. He ends with a promise. David says, my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let all creatures Praise his holy name forever and forever and forever and forever. All creatures. He promised that his mouth, it reminds me of Joshua, right? The the whole nation was like turning away from God. But what did Joshua say? As for me and my house, we will praise the Lord. He made that commitment. He put his foot down and said I don't I don't mind whichever way you guys turn away because for me and my house we're not going to turn. You're not going to have that influence on me. We're going to serve the Lord. David is making a declaration like that. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let all creatures praise his holy name forever and ever. You don't think David was going to go through hardship in his life? You don't think Solomon was going to go through hardship. You don't think David thought there was going to be incredible trials. There was another exile coming. A few generations down the road where they would get blown out of their own country and watch their cities be burnt by Nebuchadnezzar and by the Assyrians. They get hauled off into this weird form of slavery where they live in Babylon, far away from their homes and never know if they're going back. The prophets say that they might go back in 70 years, but it just looks hopeless. You don't think at that time they were wondering whether God was going to keep his promise, whether David's throne was actually going to endure forever and ever, as they watched Jerusalem burn, as they watched their temple come down? They don't think they doubted? What was all of this for? What was all of the worship and the singing? What was all the sacrifices for as they watched their church burn? If God was real, and if God loves us, why would he allow this to happen to us? Some of you may have seen in the news that a tornado went through a farmyard south of Hodgeville this last week. It's a friend of my dad's, and this week I was out with my dad helping do some field work and we drove over to go encourage his friend. So we drove through his farm and spent some time with him. He doesn't know Jesus. So how does my dad encourage him? How does my dad say, the God that I believe in loves you and has not forgotten you? Even as your yard is gone. Your combines, your tandems, your sprayer, trashed your air seater, part of the shop wall is just laying on it the four-wheel drive tractor it's gone it's gone and my dad is supposed to say what it'll be okay god was faithful to abraham don't don't give up he'll be faithful to you what do you say But you make that declaration that my mouth will praise the name of the Lord and every creature will praise his name forever and ever. Because even when you watch your yard get blown away, you know that Yahweh has not abandoned you. His Holy Spirit has not left you. That he might be trying to humble you. He might be trying to draw you to himself. He might be trying to say to you, rely on me. Because none of this lasts. Look around your yard. None of this lasts. One day it can all be there and the next... Gone. Gone. But what's the one thing that will endure? That no rust, no thief, no no moth can take away. What is the one treasure that will never be destroyed by a wind? Your treasure in heaven. Your relationship with God. The one thing that can't be shaken. Like how do you say that? How do you say that? but the Lord upholds those who fall and he rises up those who are bowed down. And that his hand is wide open to you to satisfy your deepest desire. But it might not be a combine or a tractor. It might actually be the hope and peace inside your heart that you desperately crave. And he might be looking to fill that with his son Jesus. He might be looking to take that sinful, broken attitude and heart that you struggle with constantly and cover that by the atoning sacrifice of his son. He might be trying to give you wisdom and courage and boldness by the power of his Holy Spirit, and you don't even know it. So, church, what does this mean to you? I would say this for me, what it says is Darren, keep this in perspective. As we go into the fall, as we don't know what exactly it will look like, I want to make that declaration that we as a church will find a way to praise his holy name forever and ever. When it's hard, we're going to praise his name. And when it goes well, we're going to praise his name. And as generation after generation passes down the story of God's grace, we're going to praise his name. All summer, we haven't known what's going to happen we tried to praise his name. All throughout the year of COVID where you sat at home, right? Watched church on your cell phone or on your laptop. We didn't know what was going to happen. But we tried to find a way to praise his name. Can we make that promise going forward? We're going to find a way to do it. I want us as a church to reflect back on what has God done in our church. How has he been faithful to those who came before us? And what are we praying that he will do in the generation of our children? What are we going to do? How are we going to reach out to our community? How are we going to make disciples? How will this be more than just talk? Because it's easy to read these stories and say, Yes, I want that for my kids, and then to go home and nothing. It's easy to do that because I've done it. But what will our declaration be? Will you offer yourself completely to the Lord? Are you ready to make that commitment? Whether you're six years old, like Cooper, whether you're 96 years old, you're not done. You might think you're retired. You're not done. If you're part of this church family, you're part of our ministry. What will be your pledge? I'm gonna pray for you, and I want you to reflect on that as I pray, and the worship team is gonna come and lead us in another song. Father in heaven, would you please, by the power of your spirit, reveal to me what you would have me do. I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you, but I make this declaration that I want to praise your name forever, and I want that for my church family too. In pain and in heartache and in joy and in celebration, I want to praise your name through the next generation when Cooper grows up and through the generation after him, I want to praise your name and I want to see them do it too. I want to see my, my neighbors, I want to see people, Lord, that I bump into down the street who don't even know you. I want them to praise your holy name forever. I want them to have a home in your kingdom and to know you personally like a friend, like a dad. And I want to commit to seeing that happen. Lord, would you show our church the way to do that? Would you show us the way to make a difference? Would the gospel go out from this place in powerful and real ways? And would generations from now be able to look back at us and say they, they lived for the Lord God. They lived to make his name known as what they did. So Lord, would you be glorified in our church? Would be glorified in our song that we sing? Show us, Lord, where to go.